The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Proverbs 15 is the chapter of the day here on Exploring the Word, and you're going to love this. Let me just give you this. Of those verses, there's 33 verses, eight of those verses talk about your language, and that's how important it is. And sometimes in one verse, it'll say it two times, and in seven of those verses, it talks about your heart. You know, your language and your passion, your heart reveal a lot about you. So if you mm. want to know a lot about yourself and how to be right, Proverbs 15 may be a chapter for you. This is Bert Harper along with Dr. Alex McFarland. And Alex, uh, uh, you and I both, we've talked about this already today. We all got excited about Proverbs 15, verse 1. <laughs> it's, we did. It is a great verse, isn't it? Well, it's a great verse and a great chapter. And I mean, think about this. 25% of this entire chapter deals with the words we use, yep. language. Uh, one out of every four verses in Proverbs 15. And Bert, I, go back with me to about 1989, 90, 91. I was a youth pastor, and I was teaching my students memory verses. And always in my my group of memory verses that we taught the youth, one was Proverbs 15, 1, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. Uh, soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir it up. That was one of our most popular memory verses, Bert. Well, it's one that needs to be learned by everyone. And I know your personality has a lot to do with this. If you're a type A person or if, if you're like Gary Smalley, if you're a lion, you sometimes... You can be a little rough and gruff, but God's Holy Spirit will give you what you need in order to be able to carry this out. I'm not sure on our own we would be completely successful. We might be partially, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, I, I thought of this today, the book of Proverbs and its admonition and its encouragements for wisdom, for uh, your language, for your passions, your heart, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I want to tell you, he can give us the victory because the victory is in Christ Jesus, and he sent his Holy Spirit to dwell in us that we could carry out his purpose in our lives. Alex, uh, so combine Proverbs with the filling of the Holy Spirit, I, I, I think that's a pretty good combination, brother. Amen. You know, maybe maybe everybody knows this old saying, uh, but it was new to me. This is almost 20 years ago, but I was in a meeting back east uh, on, on a board, and there was a certain board member. It was a Christian ministry, but he was easily triggered, and he kind of had a quick temper, and we were leaving this board meeting, and, uh, you know, this one guy whispered to me, said, well, he, he likes to hit a gnat with a sledgehammer. <laughs> And I had never heard that saying before. But <laughs> I <had> not either. <laughs> verse 2 says, The tongue of the wise uses knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools pours out foolishness. Now, you can say the truth, but maybe say it in a less than ideal way. And I've often thought about that, the way we use words. You don't want to... You, you don't want to hit a gnat with a sledgehammer, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, That's called so, overkill. Over, yeah. That's overkill. Yeah, it really is. And so knowledge is good, and then knowledge dispensed with wisdom. And and I'm just going to say, we need to let the Holy Spirit of God guide the way we talk to other people. Now, uh, verse 3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Just within this uh, dialogue about words and language, there's this gentle reminder, remember, God is watching. God, I'm, I'm going to say it this way, because the Bible says every word, every idle word will give an account of in the Day of Judgment. Yeah. Bert, um, the tape recorder is running, isn't it? It really is. And, and that is, I have to, every idle word, that's kind of scary. I don't care who you are. Uh, and and so we need to be careful. I know I have misspoken, and I know I have, uh, j you know, just said the wrong word at the wrong time. And I say, oh, God, I know what Bert Harper yeah. is capable of. I desperately need 
your Holy Spirit. Even today, uh, I, I understand that today a reality. But it, yeah. I could not help but think, and I we got to hurry, but I could not help but think of Jonah trying to get away from the Lord. Mm. His eyes is everywhere. You can't escape him to the height or the depth or out in the ocean. You not, you're just the eyes of the Lord. You know what every place yeah. means? Every place. There's nothing hidden from him, is there? There is. Hey, let me. I know we got to move on, but um, <laughs> one of the very first Christian books ever written, ever, was a book written in the fourth century A.D. called Sayings of the Desert Fathers. This is one of the very first Christian books ever. Now, this fourth century book was a a collection of wisdom from 131 ancient Christians. Uh, some were named and some weren't, and you can still find this book. And there's a lot of incredible godly wisdom, but there was this one guy, he was an unnamed Egyptian Christian, and he was trying to share the gospel, and people were mocking him and making fun. And here's what he said, and, and think about this regarding our words, folks. He said, quote, We have to render an account of our whole life before God, and you can laugh? Now, this is, you know, about 1,750 years ago. And I was thinking about that, though. Every word. And I know, look, I've, I've spoken truth, and I've spouted off foolishness. And we need to say, Lord, forgive us, and Lord, we yield our, our words to you. Because verse 4 says, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. Um, just a reminder, and maybe even today, um, some of us need to say, God, forgive me for the, the, the wrong words I've spoken. And, you know, James has a lot to say about it too, doesn't he? <laughs> he sure does. Now, again, I'm not skipping these, but I want to bring a little bit of that, what we're talking about, using your tongue, wholesomeness, right, soft answer. And, and sometimes our, our tongues trying to be funny is, is, is perverse, Sometimes our tongue trying to uh, be, I, I would say, get even is harsh. But look at verse 13. A merry heart hmm. makes cheerful countenance. By the sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. Now, again, here's this balance with your, with your tongue. There, laughter does good. Let me just tell you, laughter does good like a medicine. But not laughing at the things that God uh, would say is wrong is is his word makes it plain. So I, I bring this up, Alex, to s- let us see the balance is only come going to come through the power of God. Um, yeah. we, we're bad to get off track. You know, we either go to the left, and if we're not careful, what we'll do when we go too far to the left, what do we do? Overcorrect, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I bet you learned in driving when you first started driving, especially faster vehicles now when you grew up on the farm like i did you you grew up driving slower vehicles so it wasn't a big deal to correct it but when i started driving a car or a truck that was on the highway uh my dad and others say don't overcorrect because overcorrectness will put you off on the other end and the other side so this balance that we need between the tongue the wisdom of god out of your heart come the issues of life and this merry heart. Alex, uh, that that's the power of God in our lives that can bring that balance to us, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. And uh, I know you went to 13, but I didn't want to miss verse 7. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the foolish doeth not so. You know, back in, in, in Titus over in the New Testament, it talks about to the impure, all things are impure. And in the Old Testament, like in verse 12, a scorner loves not one that reproaches him, neither will he go unto the wise. Um, Bert, the, the word scorn and scorner in the Bible has always sort of troubled me or made me think because we've, we've all met people and, and nothing is sacred. They don't right. take anything seriously. And uh, Titus talks about um, the impure person doesn't understand, look, uh, there's a God to whom we give account. There's a, a limited window of time in which to turn to, to Christ. Uh, there are sins that will be dealt with. We can either come to Jesus and be cleansed, or we can face God guilty, you know? Yes. And so very often, 
And I think part of the reason the Bible spends so much time talking about the language we use, because the words that come out of us are absolutely reflective of what's going on inside of us. That's exactly what verse 7 that you referred to. Notice lips and heart in the same verse. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the fool does not do so, does not do so. That's the whole idea. You get your heart right. Okay, I'm going to clean up my language. Well, you can do that, you know, perversity and, uh, you know, sordid language. But out of your heart, if you can get your heart right with God, your heart is your innermost being. It's it's what the Bible talks about, who we really are revealed. And, and it's, our, it's our mind, it's our will, it's our emotions, all there. But if we can get our heart toward the things of God, uh, it will bring about that change in our language. Uh, yes. I think I've shared this before, and I'll do it real quickly. A man in my community that I grew up with was in a great revival. God was working, and the, the pastor and the evangelist challenged to pray for the most uh, needed per- person that needs Christ most that you know about. And I knew this man that every other word in his mouth seemed to be a, a curse word, was a mm. cuss word. It was horrible. And that was the man I was praying for. On Friday night, I saw that man walk the aisle, give his heart to Jesus. And I, he said, you know, everybody here knows how I talk. I need God's help to help mm. clean up my language. He got his heart right. Guess what else followed? The clean language. And Amen. so get your Amen. heart right. And uh, I, I just want to tell you, th- that's what Proverbs 15 is about. Alex, it is my heart, as I've said, in seven different verses, your language in eight different verses. Uh, half of this is about what you're thinking and then what you're saying. And yes. uh, do you agree, get your heart right, your language, that, that well, can follow and should follow? Verse 9 says, he that loves him, follows after righteousness. Amen. When you meet Jesus and you love the Lord, you're going to love righteousness. And and I realize that there is growth, but see, it's such a beautiful thing, and we've all seen it many times, I'm sure. When a person uh, is born again, things change. Habits change. Priorities change. Your language will change. <laughs> now, I, and I know there's a break coming, but listen to this. Verse 8, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. You know, Bert, whenever these pro-abortionists have a church service, I think, uh, you know, the sacrifice of the righteous is an abomination to the Lord. Mm. Uh, if you're going to name the name of God, you better also live according to his word. His word is settled in heaven. It is right. You do not deviate it. You stay with God. And we're going to be back with more right after this break. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Phil Murphy, governor of New Jersey. He is the state's 56th governor and a former U.S. ambassador to Germany. Galatians 6.9 reminds us of the qualities of a good leader. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Governor Phil Murphy as he leads the people of New Jersey. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says if you hear about God's blessings more often than you experience them, there may be a reason why. We'll discover what it is as we spend two minutes with Tony. A year or two ago, I gave all the executive team an iPad. It was a gift, and I gave each one of them an iPad, okay? But all the staff does not use the iPad to the same level. The capacity is all there for each of them. I use it less than all of them, okay? For example, I've never sent an email. I don't know that I know how to send an email. I've never sent one. I read emails sent to me, but I know if you ask me to pull down an app, I don't know where to go because that's just not something I have 
taken advantage of. Not because the provision isn't there, but I've not accessed what has been provided. So the problem, if you're not experiencing grace, is not because grace is not provided, it may just have not been accessed. And so what God provides is a merited favor based on his will for each of our lives. It's already been deposited in your life account, his divine favor. And while you can't earn it and you can't buy it, you're responsible to access it so that it can be of benefit to you. However, if you're not used to looking at life through the lens of grace, operating through the lens of grace, then you're not used to getting all the benefits that grace has to offer. Learn more about the benefits of using God's blessings and resources His way. Check out Tony's CD series, Kingdom Stewardship, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. In Him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. Ephesians 1, verse 11. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. All the world starts changing when the church does the Oh, we got great music. We got the Word of God. We've got your calls and questions. It's a wonderful day on Exploring the Word. We're so glad you're with us. Alex McFarland here along with Bert Harper. We're in Proverbs 15. If you're just joining in, get a copy of the Bible, and we're in the middle of Proverbs 15. We are going to um, open up the phones for questions here in just a little bit. The number, if you want to call in and uh, get in the line, it's 888 589-8840, and we would love to do our best to answer your Bible questions today. You know, Bert, before the break, we were reading um, like Proverbs 15, 8, the sacrifice of the, of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. Verse 9 says, the way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he loves him who follows after righteousness. Um, religion is not the same thing as following Jesus. You know, sacrifice, that sounds good. Rituals, religion. You know what? Rituals, religion, even sacrifices without Jesus and in a state of unbelief and uh, unregeneration, God is not pleased with that. It profits you nothing with God. And uh, so that's that's what Proverbs 15 is so much about. Your heart, your your words, uh, your, your, what you're looking for in the future. Now, Alex, again, 33 verses, it's hard to go through each verse. So I, I've, I've, I've talked about 13, but there's another one that is so real to me, and it doesn't mean you don't go back and get some of yours. But verse 16, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great riches with trouble. Mm-hmm. That, that verse has always, you know, settled my heart. Uh, I guess because, you know, gr- growing up, uh, I was, we were not rich by any standards. We were, uh, we were not below the poverty line, but we were real close, okay? And, and great treasure with trouble. Listen, uh, Paul said that he had learned whichever condition or state that he was in to be content. He said, I know what it is to have a lot. I know what it is to have a little. I know what it is to be uh, imprisoned. I know what it is to be free. But every condition, I have learned contentment. And verse 16 is the contentment of the Lord. The fear of the Lord, following him, obeying him, words and heart. And that's you're going to hear that again and again in this chapter. What you think, your heart, what you say, your words. Uh, listen, Alex. That brings contentment. And and for those of you who are listening today, uh, if you're dissatisfied, if you are just so uh, under the pressure, under the gun, concerned, worry about everything, I understand the conditions of the world that makes us feel that way, the conditions of the economy, the conditions of, of so much things. But I want to tell you, in this relationship with Jesus Christ, 
even in the midst of hardship, difficulty, we can be like the Apostle Paul and like the writer of Proverbs says here in verse 16 is the fear of the Lord. Alex, it is better and it brings great contentment, doesn't it? Well, it really does. It it really does. Um, And you know what? Here's, boy, what a truth verse 17 is. Better is a dinner of herbs than uh, an ox in the stall with hatred. Oh, me. (laughs) Isn't that something? Do you know, um, you remember the Loretta Lynn song? And by the way, I, I happen to believe this is a... A, I'm serious, a great piece of American poetry, Coal Miner's Daughter. I do, yes, I do. I thought that was the one you'd bring up, yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, seriously, read the lyrics to that, folks. It's a great piece of poetry, but he t- she talks about the fact that we didn't have shoes, we didn't have this, but we did have love. Yeah. She said that's the one thing Mama made sure of, that we had love. And I read this, better is a dinner of herbs where love is, maybe just vegetables, than a steak dinner with hatred. And do you know what? It's possible to have money and be poor. On the other hand, it's possible to not have money and be rich. Um, But verse 18 is very much like verse 1. A wrathful man stirs up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeases strife. And again, the, the thing that can quell the fires of anger are the right words, rightly spoken. Verse 19, the way of the slothful man. Now, sloth, being slothful, that's being lazy. Okay, the way of the slothful man is like a hedge of thorns, but the way of the righteous is made plain. Here's the thing. Let's say you're trying to go down the pathway and you come up against a hedgerow of thorns. It's an obstruction. For somebody who's lazy, dishonest, not moral or a person of integrity, their approach, the way they do things, is not going to get him anywhere. But the way of the righteous, the, the, the road is open and clear. In other words, what is the key to success? It must begin with righteousness, integrity, character. Bert, there's a lot of ways we could say it. I know you and I have had our heroes. I, I used to love reading um, the books of Zig Ziglar. I've loved reading biographies like John Wooden, The Coach, and a lot of these people in various different fields, but they would say, okay, you got to know your stuff. There's got to be some skill set, but it all begins on character, doesn't it, Bert? It really does. And, and again, I, I know I'm beating a dead horse to death, but this is what chapter, I, I would say as much as any of the chapters in the book of Proverbs, it hits it and hits it again. This issue of righteousness, this issue of your character and your characters reveal through your words and that so it goes on so if you're going to be wise a wise son verse 20 makes a father glad a foolish man despises his mother folly is joy to him who is destitute of discernment but a man of understanding walks up rightly and that brings us to verse 22 and i wanted to say a little bit about that without counsel plans go awry but in the multitude of counselors they are established Again, let me say this. You'll hear that thought again and again about getting counsel, about getting those who would help you. Accountability is one of the most important things in the Christian life, in your walk. Jesus sent them out two by two. Yes, to encourage one another, but also to hold them accountable to one another. And we we went over this the other day about uh, John Wesley and his 20 questions and and about asking those questions to your peer group. And then I, I talked about uh, how Chuck Swindoll developed it down to seven. And I, I think I want to share this. The last, the seventh question on, on Chuck Swindoll's questions that the accountability groups asked one another, have you uh, looked at inappropriate material? Have you done your finances correctly? Have You know, all those questions. And the last question, have you just lied? You know, mm, uh, Alex, yeah. so the whole idea, don't lie to yourself. Uh, don't don't think more highly of yourself than you ought, but also understand what God's done in your life. When we read Proverbs 15 and we see what God is saying, this is what I desire for you. I desire wisdom for you. I desire knowledge. I desire a well-spoken word for you. It comes into this relationship just like you started off, not in ritual, 
not in religion, but in this relationship that we have with God, where God himself enters into our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit, Alex. That is the power of God. He knows on our own there's no good thing, but in him we have life and godliness. And so out of that comes the righteousness, the character, the language. Uh, The language kind of reveals that character, doesn't it? Well, it really does. It it really does. Uh, The words we use, the words we choose, and not only what we say, but but how we say it. And I think we all know that there's um, a gracious way to say things. There's there's a, a harsh way to say things. Um, going down there, if if we could, and by the way, I love verse 22, the multitude of counselors. Verse 23, a man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. We get a phrase, and it's the phrase timely, and this comes right out of the Bible. Um, somebody might say, you know, um, hey, I, I got that phone message, and it was so timely, you know, whether it be a word of encouragement and by the way, do you know that is a ministry that you can in, embark on to be an encourager, to be a, a Barnabas, you know, how good it is? Um, go over there, if you would, and verse 26, for the third and final time in this chapter, we see the word abomination. And let me just, boy, that, that's a powerful word. Uh, abominations are things God is not pleased with. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant words. Now, it, you know, it says that the religious activities of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord. The way, the lifestyle, verse 9, is an abomination. Here in 26, even the thoughts of the wicked person, and I, I'm just going to say it, we, we're living in a time when that which the Bible soundly condemns, is being pushed in education, in media, in government, and all of this immorality to God, it is abominable. Now, God will forgive, but we've got to admit our sin and turn to him. Amen. Alex, when you see that, I want to ask you, do you think about Noah's day? Their thoughts were evil continually. That's what it amounts to, Alex. Listen, if the people of Noah's day looked at America, they they would say, you people are messed up. I mean, you know, we are, we are, I, I feel like the, the days of Noah, Sodom, and Gomorrah, it's that times 10 for what we're doing in our nation these days. And I, I'm, I'm sharing something that I share quite in, uh, it's identity. When you don't know who you are, when you don't know the nation that you came for, our founding fathers and how it was started, when we see the word of God being being misused. Uh, it's Antichrist. Matter of fact, uh, I'm, I'm teaching through the book of 1 John at the church in Auburn Baptist Church where I'm men or I'm pastor on Wednesday nights, and I'll be doing that tonight. Uh, and in the spirit of Antichrist, you know what John said? The spirit of Antichrist is with us already. In other words, even in John's day, before 100 AD, there was the spirit of Antichrist against Christ, anything but Christ. We're living in a day when that is amplified because of mass communications. It is amplified because the number of people. It is amplified because that spirit has tried to enter into every area of our society. And you've already mentioned education, government, uh, entertainment, economy, and now even in the wokeness in churches that are, are going over. Oh, it's okay for you to change your identity of who you are if you're not happy with being a male just just declare yourself female or vice versa and so alex that is that is exactly word now listen the way verse 24 says the latter part that he may turn away from hell below listen that's why we're preaching it that's why we teach it because we want folks to avoid this judgment this torment uh, and, and it's only through Christ. There's no other way. You can try to clean up your act, but that's only just a, a cleaner position to go to hell in. And mm. I, I know that's that's rash, but listen, cleaning up your act doesn't save you. It is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And as we said here in this Proverbs 15, 
You get your heart right with God, and then watch what happens with your life, your language, uh, your love, all of those L's, Alex. Uh, you get your heart right with God, don't you? Well, you really do. By the way, and uh, I want to I want to read this, but um, verse 27, He that is greedy of gain troubles his own house, but he that hateth gifts shall live. This is talking about bribes. Yep. If you're greedy so that you can be bought, you're going to be troubling your own house. But if you are a man of integrity, you can't be bought. That's going to be life and uh, blessing your house. The heart of the righteous studies to answer. In other words, you think before you speak. But the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Praise the Lord. The light of the eyes rejoices the heart, and a good report maketh the bones fat. In other words, it's encouraging to us. Uh, now, i got to say this, in 31 and 32 and 33, for the, the fourth and fifth times in this chapter, we hear about being teachable, receiving instruction. You know, uh, if you're wise, you'll hear instruction. If you're unwise, you reject instruction. Verse 33, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. Oh, my goodness, Proverbs fifteen thirty three is so true. Look, the Amen. beginning of wisdom is to fear God. And you want honor? Okay, we, we would all like to be respected, maybe even accomplish some things. How does that begin? Humility. Alex, this verse ends in such an awesome way. Jesus said, I came not to uh, be served, but to serve through his humility. Philippians chapter 2, because of his death, he got even a higher name uh, because of what? Humility. God looks for that. God looks for the humble spirit. Now, that doesn't going around mean say, oh, poor me, poor me, poor me. No, it is recognizing that God has made you. It is recognizing that you do have weaknesses and you don't uh, float over them. You don't you don't ignore them, but you also have strengths and you don't pride yourself in them. You thank God for them, but you use them for his glory, those strengths. And then you let the Holy Spirit of God work in your life so those weaknesses will not be glaring. And it happens in this relationship, which brings about righteousness, which brings about right living. So, Alex, Proverbs 15, I'll just declare to you, I need to read that more often, brother. I think I do, too. I mean, there's a lot of practical teaching, but frankly, convicting Bible truth. Well, folks, we've got a very brief break on Exploring the Word. Bert Harper, Alex McFarland, we're going to come back and open up the phones for your calls. The number, 888-589-8840. Call us with your question. When you hear this... This is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. Some assumed the apostles were specially gifted men who were quick to grasp and apply Jesus' teaching. This week on Truth For Life, we'll find out how ordinary and fallible the disciples actually were. Discover why following Jesus demands a radical shift in thinking. Listen to Truth For Life with Alistair Begg. Weekday mornings at 1130 Central on AFR and online at AFR.net. In a world where no one can tell us no. To this day, every human being born on this planet is the product of a male and a female. That's the way God set it up. God created us in His image. A place where Facebook and YouTube have no control. I think the command in Scripture relative to men and women is not mainly women sit down, but men stand up, act like men, lead as you're supposed to. A place where we can no longer be canceled. When the scripture speaks, God speaks. And if you understand that rightly, then everything else simply falls into place. The American Family Association presents the AFA streaming platform. 
Just visit streaming.afa.net for the latest films, documentaries, and AFA original productions. You'll even find videos from some of your favorite talk shows. All you have to do is create a free account at streaming.afa.net. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Jeremiah descended from a priestly lineage in Judah. He grew up in Anathoth, about two to four miles northeast of Jerusalem, where the temple was located. He began ministering prophetically about 627 B.C., during the 13th year of King Josiah's reign. This is about five years before Josiah began Judah's spiritual reformation. It is very likely that Josiah's reformation was influenced by Jeremiah's preaching. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. We are back. Welcome back to Exploring Word. Alex and Bert, so honored that you're listening. And listen, we just count you all as friends and family. And hey, I want to make you aware of a couple of exciting things. April 21 through 23, and I know that's a little ways off, but April 21 through 23, Bert and I are going to be in Paris, Tennessee. It's not too far from Nashville. It's our Truth for a New Generation Apologetics Conference, and Abe Hamilton will be there, Will and Mickey Addison. The theme, now listen to this, Truth Matters, Confronting the Issues that Will Shape Your Future. You can go to my website, which is alexmcfarland.com, to register. It's There's For All Ages, and it's Biblical Worldview, Apologetics, April 21 through 23. And then also, listen to this, folks, our summer camps. I'm doing seven camps this summer. And the website for my youth camps, we've, we have got room. We're going to be in New Jersey, Iowa, Colorado, Georgia, the Carolinas. We have got room for 1,200 teenagers Amen. in seven camps. And I say invest a week that will count for a lifetime. Go to the website equipretreat.org, equipretreat.org. Bert. We've got to, yes, win them to Christ, equip them. I'm going to just say it this way. We're going to woke-proof the teens, okay? <laughs> hey, we need it in our day when wokeness, we need to awaken to the evil of wokeness. How about that? Uh, yeah. We really do. And so we, we are praying for those. Pray for those and youth. Uh, if you're listening, ask your mom and dad, hey, can I go to one of those camps? You'll be blessed. Hey, let's go to the phone lines. And William in Illinois. Welcome, William. Good afternoon, brothers. Yes. Jesus said those last day, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you. What is the difference between that and carnal corn on the, what camp do you figure you're in to be in one or the other? Thank you. Okay. Thank you, William. What a deep voice, man. I'm telling mm. you, love that. Yeah. Uh, okay, let me share this. In the book of Corinthians, and I'll set this up, Alex, and you take it away. In the book of Corinthians, you have three men that are mentioned in that carnality part, which is mean rules ruled by their own nature. That's the whole idea of carnality. You rule by your own nature. You have that which is natural, that which is carnal, and that which is fleshly. The natural, obviously, is lost. They haven't come to Christ. The carnal, Paul would write, and he said, you're doing this. Are you still not carnal? Are you still letting a nature, yourself, govern you? Uh, there is some difference in that, you know, uh, carnality. or and, and so God's not pleased with it, though, with carnality in the Christian, is he? That, that's true. And the caller was asking, you know, what is the difference? Because this is Matthew 7. 21 through 24, where Jesus says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. And what does that mean? Well, in that context, 
where they they were basically making an argument they should be allowed into heaven. Why? Because they said, look, we did many wonderful works. We even testified in your name. We even cast out demons, or at least they said they did. So they were appealing to their uh, apparent works, their words, and their religious rituals. And Jesus says this, though, in Matthew 7, I never knew you. How do you get saved? How do you make sure that you'll go to heaven? How do you live a life of righteousness rather than being a worker of iniquity? By a relationship to Jesus. And let me say this. I know we have a lot of people listening. Here's the thing, folks. Jesus is as close by as a prayer. doesn't matter who you are. If you will call out to Christ today and say, Dear Lord Jesus, I am sorry for my sins. And Lord, I, I believe you're the Son of God, and I believe you died on the cross for me. Dear Jesus, please wash my sins away and save me. Do you know, Bert, anybody who sincerely prays that today and asks Christ for eternal life, that gift of salvation can be theirs today. Folks, in the next one minute, you can call out to Christ, and he will hear you, and if you ask, he will save you. And if you need more help and someone to pray with you, we have partners waiting for you as well. You can call 1-800-NEED-HIM, 1-800-NEED-HIM. They'll pray with you. They'll help you. And if you have questions about what Alex just said, you don't have to have questions. You can call out the Lord right now. But if you need help, 1-800-NEED-HIM. Let's go to Texas and talk to Tom. Welcome, Tom. Thank you, Bert. I have a question. I read something recently. It was in a book, actually. And it was making a correlation between Isaiah 9-10 and... September 9th, 2001. Yeah. I just wanted to get y'all's thoughts. Well, well mm-hmm. was it Jonathan Kahn and Harbinger? <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, okay. Uh, if you read that, uh, Alex, I found it. there's some very great similarities. Does he stretch some? I, uh, I don't think he stretches a lot, because. but you see those things approaching. What you see in Isaiah is the day approaching when they would fall, you know, in in what he was trying to relate it to our day, we need to open our eyes to see that if we don't come back to God, uh, there's going to be something to pay for, isn't there? Well, yeah, and, and let me say this, and I, I appreciate Jonathan Kahn, I really do, and you and I have interviewed him at uh, NRB and things like that, um, but whenever somebody tried, like I know there was a verse in Jeremiah that they thought related to the towers, um, see, here's the thing. The, the Bible chapters and verses weren't really numbered till about the um, 1200s, right? And Isaiah was written 750 B.C. And also 9-11 happened on, that's the ninth month, the 11th day, whereas Isaiah 9-10 says the bricks are falling down. So Bert, um, forgive me if I sound jaded, but whenever somebody takes a modern headline and tries to shoehorn it into something, I'm just, um, that's that's a hermeneutic I'm not always comfortable with. I would agree with you. What I was trying to convey to you, when you see, if you just wipe away uh, some of the numbers and everything and see how God was warning Israel or Judah, you know, uh, is God warning us? He said in these last days. So I think when you see the lawlessness lawlessness in the land, not necessarily every particular thing, uh, you better get ready, get right with God. And I think that is the main message that I would want to get from that. And I, I agree with Alex. you got to be very careful in hermeneutics to take something and be specific. And I, let me just say this, Alex, that's sometimes with eschatology that's rough too. And uh, so that's the reason you and I say, and we've said it again, we in eschatology, things of the future, you better have some grace in there because um, I I, I agree with a guy that you that helped mentor you, Chuck Colson. He said, there's nobody that has it right. And he said, I'll tell you the reason we're human and uh, we have the Bible. That's the sure word. And so we hope that helps, Tom. Let's go to. Terrence in Illinois. Terrence, welcome. Yes, good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. I've been in a debate with Jehovah's Witness. 
I've never had that happen to me before. Their claim is, well, Jesus isn't God. Jesus is Jesus. He's the very first of creation. And, and they're giving me all these Bible verses and things backing up that, well, Jesus is Jesus, uh, but he's not God. And I'm like, well, that just doesn't make any sense. And I really don't know. This is going to sound crazy, but I just don't know how to, how to debate this person without having some really, really firm biblical verses. My thing with them is, hey, if it ain't in the Bible, it's just, it's not for me. I'm not going to be a part of it. And nowhere in the Bible does I, have I ever read where Jesus was the very first thing that God created. That just, that just isn't, it's crazy. Okay. okay. So, yeah. I will hang up and I will listen to your. Terrence, thank you for calling. Great question. Alex, uh, uh, let me just give this and you fill it full. John 1, uh, verses 1 and 2 and 14. What what did uh, Jehovah's Witnesses do with that in their translation of the Bible? Well, they did something that was absolutely unjustifiable to the text, wherein it says the Word was God, uh, the Word was with God. See, Jesus is, one of the names of Jesus is the Logos, L-O-G-O-S, the Word, the, the Word of God. And they put in their Bible that he was a God, not God, capital G, and absolutely unjustifiable, uh, and this is uh, John 1.1. 1, 1. But here's the thing about the firstborn over all creation. Uh, Colossians 1, 15 through 21, says that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now, what's interesting is, if there ever, and, and it is it is a puzzlement that the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, would use Colossians 1 to try to disprove the divinity or the deity of Jesus, because, I mean, if you look down there at verses like 16 and 17 that says that Jesus is the the creator, he's God, you know, there's there's nothing made that he didn't make. But, Bert, the firstborn of all creation that is in uh, Colossians 1 it's talking about two things. For one thing, Jesus is the first one that rose from the dead, and he beat the grave. But then it says that he is the first, the head over all of creation. He is the sovereign God. But I'll give you another verse, and this is even in the Jehovah's Witness Bible. John eight twenty four, where Jesus, talking about God incarnate, the Messiah, he said, if you do not believe that I am he, you'll die in your sins. So the Jehovah's Witnesses, they're a false cult, C-U-L-T, because they've got the classic earmarks of the cult, that pressure to join, pressure to remain, denial of one or more of the core doctrines of Christianity, and then a supplemental revelation besides the Bible. And so um, they are to be pitied because they're lost, they're unsaved, and they've, they're preaching a message that is against the, the good news of the gospel. They really are, and, and I hope that helps, Terrence. And uh, just stand on the Word of God. You are right, and hopefully we gave you some verses. Uh, that firstborn of creation, Alex, did a great job. That's, a, that's nothing about birth order. That's about a position, as Alex said, the resurrection and the creation of all. That's who it was. Let's go to Tennessee. Chris, welcome. Hello? Yes, you're on. Go right ahead. Hey, okay, in Ezekiel 4, 12 through 15, it talks about eating unclean. Uh, now, my problem is with when I read Acts 10, I read a parable, in it, and that parable is that the Gentiles are coming into the kingdom and animals are being used as symbolic. But in Mark 7, it talks about washing, I mean, eating food with unclean hands. And Jesus uh, rebuked the Pharisees for uh, uh, for that, and uh, you know, are, ain't we seeing that now? Because to me, that all has to do with the digestive system and purging out dung onto the ground. Okay, Chris, thank you. Alex, don't have a lot of time, and I've got one more call I want to try to get to. Would you uh, say something to Chris about that? Well, uh, Acts ten fourteen, the Lord told Peter and. And, brother, I respect you, and I appreciate you calling, but uh, Peter's dream, whereby God communicated to him and says, Peter, nothing is unclean 
don't call it common or unclean. Verse 15 of Acts 10, what God has cleansed, don't call common. In other words, we're not under any dietary laws. Now, we're if we're smart, we'll use moderation. But listen, if you're a born-again believer, uh, pork, shrimp, shellfish, steak, uh, enjoy. Even, even catfish. It, oh, always catfish. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, and we say that seriously. We understand, but they're health issues. And a lot of the things that they had back there had some health issues with that that really yeah. helped life. And anyway, we won't talk about that today, but we appreciate that. Is it Rayful from North Carolina? Mm. Ray? Yes. Go right ahead, man. Rayful. Rayful. Okay. Hey, this is Rayful. Welcome. Hey, uh, hey, hey, brother, let me ask you real quick. I know we're out of time. And a little small group, 15 people Bible study. The question has come up. People come down the lane at church all the time and want to uh, dedicate their life to Christ. But then we're also told to make disciples. Do disciples go to heaven or just disciples and just anybody else that believes? Thank you. Okay. Okay. Let me just share this with you. The Bible teaches those who believe in Christ are learners of Christ, and they become they continue in discipleship. They should continue. If you really had a relationship with Jesus Christ where you were converted to from the light into from darkness into light, then you have begun the process of discipleship, haven't you, Alex? You have, you know, in uh, Bert, uh, is it Acts 3.19 where Peter says, repent, be converted, right. that your sins be blotted out? Um, a convert is somebody who's come to believe in Jesus. A disciple is a consistent learning follower. First uh, John five one: Whoever believes that Jesus Christ is the Christ is born of God. But we're supposed to be both. Um, there's the the Christian birth, the minute I put my trust in Jesus. But then the rest of life is growing, learning, following, being a disciple. Um, I became a believer. And henceforth, I am a disciple. Is that a fair way to say it? That is a fair way to say it. And let me just share with you, if you're sitting and and not going forward, you are slipping back. It's backsliding because Lee from North Carolina, I love your question. We're not going to be able to get to you. Man, we appreciate it. Call back. But he had about regarding uh, backsliding. Listen, if you're not going forward in Christ, you really, Alex, you're going backward. You've got to purposely purposely walk forward toward Christ, don't you? I think about Leonard Ravenhill and that quote he would always ask. He said, are the things I'm living for worth Christ dying for? Hey, Jesus gave his life for us. Let's live for him. Folks, we want to thank you for listening to Exploring the Word. You can listen again at AFR.net or share this with somebody. So much great programming. Check out AFR.net. And in the meantime, tell somebody about Exploring the Word. But best of all, Tell everybody about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.